Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit
special worship service of this very special high holy day, this first day of unleavened bread, this day in which your people left Egypt by your hand, by your power, this day of deliverance. And that is not only important what happened thousands of years ago, but that was a great and wonderful foreshadowing of your people today, leaving false religion, the Egypt of today, the Babylonian religions of today, leaving behind false gods, bondage to false religion. We thank you, Lord that you have called us out from false religion. Whether it was the Pentecostal church or the Baptist church or the Catholic Catholic or Lutheran or Buddhism or Hinduism or atheism or witchcraft or whatever false religion that it was that you brought us out of, we are thankful, Father, that you have called us, chosen us, and that you loved us while we were still yet sinners, that you gave us a glance of the truth in which we grabbed onto and ran with. We thank you, Father, that you continue to teach and reveal. Thank you for this time to gather together with like-minded brothers and sisters that are willing to surrender to you, that's willing to leave the false churches, the Sunday churches, the Trinity churches, 
the weak, watered-down churches. We do not seek the polluted water of this world, but we seek the clean waters, the waters of Shiloh, the waters of Jerusalem, living waters, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We trust, Lord, that your hand of protection is upon our brothers and sisters in Nigeria and other nations where it has become more and more and more dangerous, even in America and across the world. We trust that your hand of protection be upon our brothers and our sisters and ourselves. Wherever we gather, whether it's in a park or in the forest or in caves or in basements or in attics, or in a church sanctuary, or living room, or bedroom, or bathroom, or anywhere that we are gathered, that your presence be with us, your protection be upon us. We ask for greater discernment, spiritual discernment, to where we can make faster and better and more accurate decisions and discernment about people their strengths, their weaknesses, that such things will be quite evident to us because of the measure of your Holy Ghost in us. Let nothing be hidden from us, your people, your kingdom upon this earth. We ask for your mind, your heart, your eyes, your ears, your feelings, your heart. We ask for and receive. We ask for your special anointing on this sermon that it will penetrate the hardest of the hearts, the hardest of the hard minds, stubbornness and pride and rebellion, bitterness, that your word penetrate all those things. Save and deliver this day in Jesus' name. Your word not return void nor vain, but accomplish the purpose of which forth it is being sent this day. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Praise Jesus. Praise God. Let's turn to the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. One Corinthians chapter five. For people that might be listening for the first time, this is the first day of unleavened bread, the day after Passover. And we're reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible, a restoration of the original scriptures. One Corinthians chapter five, we'll start in verse seven. 
We also, before we begin reading, we we um, reach out to Brother Edward in Scotland for our hearts and thoughts and prayers for you, dear brother. And we know that you're going through a difficult transition in your life, but it is the transition that is appointed for you in this day and this time as we ever one of us face our individual trials and tribulations that will purify our minds, our hearts, our souls. In every aspect, we are being purified, each and every one of us. Amen. Praise God for God's purification. Now, today's topic is detoxification. Detoxification, detoxing our spirit and our flesh, both. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it says, Clean out the old leaven, so that you may be a new mass of dough, even as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, that is, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Amen. When we talk about detoxing of spirit and flesh, the biblical words would be cleansing and purification. That would be the biblical words for spiritual detox, cleansing and purification. Paul here is telling the church that keeps the holy days, to continue to keep the holy days, amen? But let's do it not as the old person and the sins and the wickedness of the old person, malice and wickedness and so forth, but let's clean out, let's clean out, let's detox, let's purify, amen? And do these holy days as the new person in Christ Jesus. We are a new person in Christ Jesus because of the Passover sacrifice. Amen. Passover sacrifice of Christ as he became the Passover lamb of God. Amen. Clean out the old leaven. So, in the past few days, the members of God's church have been removing the leavening from their cupboards, from their shelves, going through and removing bread items and bread grains that have leavening in it, so forth. Why we do that is that it is a symbolism that leaven represents sin. That baking soda, that sodium bicarbonate, that baking powder, that bread, those crackers that have been puffed up with air, with gases, to inflate uh, a piece of bread is representing of pride and sin, puffing up, airing up, gassing up inside us, 
our temples and our bodies, our spirit, our soul, our minds, our hearts being puffed up with pride. Pride being one of the biggest and most serious problems because you always have a measure of pride in any type of sin, no matter what it is, that people are too stubborn to confess to themselves and to God and to other people what their problem is, that they have a problem with whatever it may be, whatever the sin is, that they got a problem. That's number one. Step number one is realizing you have a problem and confessing that to yourself and to God and to others. Amen? Most people never get past that step. And that is not only dealing with drug addiction and sexual sins and other sins, but even false religion. Most people never reach that first step, even though they think they're saved, even though they go to church, even though they pray, even though they read the Bible, even though they fast. They still not reach the first step of realizing that they're in sin. Keeping the wrong day of the week, keeping Sunday rather than Saturday, going to a false church, going to a church that preaches a very weak, watered-down message instead of repentance, instead of instead of the true Sabbath, instead of preaching the true Sabbath, instead of preaching the difference between Passover and Easter. They don't even know the difference between Passover and Easter. When they go to church this next Sunday on Easter, they're going to be told that they're keeping a Passover communion or Passover day. And that's not even Passover. Passover was yesterday. This is insanity. They don't even know the first step of the difference between Passover and Easter. They have no idea. That's crazy. They can't even reach the first step of, keep, of keeping the Ten Commandments. That's baby steps. That's elementary. Counting to seven, the seven days of the week, that's so easy. Counting from one to seven, what day is the day of worship? What day is the day to go to church? They can't even reach that first step. Very sad. And yet they think they're safe. We have to, before we can begin detoxing, we have to realize that we have a poison that needs to be detoxed. We have to first realize that before we can begin the process of purification and cleansing and salvation, we have to first realize that we are in sin. That our pastors are ignorant that we've been ignorant, that we've been lost, that we've been worshiping false gods, praying to their own God, or participating in false religion, we have to first come to that realization. Then we can begin to detox from sin, be purified, be cleansed. Amen. But then once we realize that we've been deceived and we've been in false religion, 
Then we have to come out of Egypt. We have to come out of Babylon. We have to come out of those churches and those religions and realize that the truth in Jesus Christ is the answer. The truth in Jesus Christ is the answer. Amen. And if we accept Jesus, we have to obey Jesus. You can believe in anything, but unless you practice it, the belief is in vain. Amen. You have to be a practicing Christian of truth, actually keeping the Sabbath. It's not enough just to know what day is the Sabbath. You've got to keep the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath mean, means going to church that day, uh, gathering together with like-minded believers that day. Um, it means resting that day. It means not going to work that day, not doing schoolwork, not going to the gym, not working out. It means resting and worshiping and fellowshipping. Keeping the day holy unto the Lord. Keeping it as a set-apart day. Keeping it as a day that has been blessed by God, sanctified God by God, and no other day has been other than his annual holy days, such as today. Amen. So we have to keep it as a set-apart day, even as we are set-apart. Amen. People don't even know what it means to be sanctified, to be a saint. And everybody's like, I, I'd never be a saint. Well, if you're never going to be a saint, you're never going to heaven, and you're never going to be in the kingdom of God. We should become more than believers. We should become more than Christians. We should and must become saints. Amen. Unless we become saints, our salvation is not eternal. Amen. I believe the word Christians is in the Bible maybe once. The word saints is in the Bible over and over and over and over and over and over and over. We have to become saints. A saint means a person that is sanctified. A saint is a person that has been sanctified. That means purified, cleansed. That means without sin. People say it's impossible to become without sin. They're just holding on to a very worldly, sinful, carnal excuse. It's not impossible to become a saint. It's not impossible. It's not it's not impossible to become sanctified, purified, cleansed, detoxed from all sin. It's not impossible. The scriptures tell us to become, to be perfect, to be holy. Amen. It uses both terms in different places, to be holy and to be perfect. It tells us to do this. If it was impossible, it wouldn't tell us to do it. Amen. And then if it was impossible, it would not tell us to do that. It's not impossible to say no to temptation. It's not impossible. They were just trying to hold on to the sin. They don't want to give up their sin. 
they're not surrendered to Christ. People don't really want to surrender to Christ. They really don't. They just want the easy, tickle the ear, watered-down message. They just want sermons that only preach only forgiveness, mercy, grace, love, the easy stuff, the watered-down stuff, the most basic elementary stuff, but yet not even all of the basic elementary stuff. Just, just select elementary basic stuff. Only some of it, not all of it. Amen. That's what people want. That's what people crave, even as the Bible said that they would. But Paul says to the church that we are to clean out the old leaven, clean out all of the sin. I mean, surely we should clean all of it, right? Not just some of it. Amen. Is it really clean if it hasn't been cleaned all the way? If you clean a plate and you, you wash only one side of the plate, but you don't wash the other side of the plate, is it really clean? But yeah, that's the way Christians do with their lives. Well, I've cleaned this part of my life, but not the other part of my life because I would never be a saint because I can't be perfect, because I can't be holy, because I can't be without sin. Therefore, I will only clean only part of my life. That's the typical Christian. That's the typical Christian. It really is. Let us keep the feast with clean plates. Amen. 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 Let us keep the feast with clean plates. Let us clean out the old leaven that we may be a new mass of dough, that we may be a new person. Amen. A new person is born again, an infant without sin. An infant that has a pure heart. Amen. Let us be like the little children, Christ said. Amen. Not that he wants us to stay in immaturity, but rather he wants us to be of a pure heart and willing to grow and wanting to grow. Does not a child want to grow up? Amen. Amen. We should be like the children that we want to grow up, that we want to learn, and that we want the truth. Every child wants the truth. Amen. They don't like to be lied to. Children do not like to be lied to. But most Christians crave the lies, even as 2 Thessalonians 2 says that they love a lie. The Bible tells us this. Amen. But when I look at this, this verse right here reminds me very much of Isaiah 1. So let's go to Isaiah chapter 1 right now. The book of Proverbs. If you have the Alpha and Omega Bible, Isaiah is the first book of the book of Prophets volume. So we can go to chapter 1 of Isaiah. Verse 14. 
Isaiah 1, verse 14, says, You're fasting and rest from work, your new moons also, and your fiestas, your holy days, my soul detests. You have become lonesome to me. I will no more pardon your sins. Verse 15, when you stretch forth your hands, I will turn away my eyes from you. And though you make many supplications, that is, requests and prayers, I will not listen to you. Because your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves and be clean. Remove your iniquities, your sins, from your souls before my eyes. Cease from your sins, your iniquities. Amen. That's what Paul is saying. To cleanse yourselves. Let's keep the holy days as a clean person, as a saint. Now, these verses in Isaiah are very commonly used by the very demonic false religions, false Christians, false pastors, to try to claim that we should not keep the holy days. Because right here it says that God hates the holy days or detests the holy days, the fiesta, the new moons, the Sabbaths. But actually, it was God himself that told us to keep the holy days. Amen. Amen. And it even says in Zechariah 14 that when Jesus comes back, we'll still be required to keep the holy days. And there's a prophecy in Isaiah, I think 66 or somewhere, that talks about us keeping the holy days in the millennium and in the hundred years after that as a requirement from God. So very clearly, very clearly, they're taking this verse out of context. Amen? Amen. The context of this verse is that the reason that God is saying that he hates the holy days is because of how they're keeping the holy days. They're keeping the holy days not as saints, but as hypocrites. That even as Paul said, let us not keep the feast with the old leaven, with sin, but rather let us clean ourselves and keep it with sincerity and truth. Amen. This is why we prepare these scriptures. This is how you understand the Bible is preparing scripture with scripture and taking the whole context. Even if we did not have the book of Corinthians, the context right here is very clear, extremely clear. He, he's not that he doesn't want us to keep the holy days, but rather he has a problem with people thinking that they're saved and going through with the motions and going through with the ABCs and going through with uh, basically uh, the holy rituals that he's given us to do, going through with the, the physical aspect of worship, but not cleansing their hearts, not, leave, not living a clean life. That's the problem that God has with the holy days is people keeping the law and the commandments and what he's told us to do, but they have not detoxed from sin in their life. That's the problem. Amen. Hypocritical religion. 
So you can go to church all you want to and fast all you want to and keep all the law you want to, but it's all in vain if you do not detox, purify yourself, cleanse yourself, and remove all the leaven and all the sin, all the pride, all the stubbornness, all the rebellion. Stop holding on to that excuse, I'm human. Stop holding on to that excuse and become a new human, become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. If they say this means we should not keep the holy days, then it would also mean that we should not pray. Because not only does it say he hates the holy days, but it also says that I will not hear your prayers. And I will, and when you stretch out your hands, I will turn away my eyes from you. And though that you make many supplications, many prayers, I will not listen to you. If they try to use it to say no holy days, then they should also say no plan. Amen. Very clearly, he's not got a problem with us praying, but rather that we're praying but not cleaning up our lives. Context is so clear here. Any preacher, any Christian, so-called, that tries to twist this, they are bringing curses upon themselves for purposely, purposely twisting. This is purposely twisting these words, purposely. And yet, the majority of the Sunday churches do this. They twist this, the majority of them. It's ridiculous. Why would you want to go to such a church with such a preacher? Okay, so next, let us go to the book of 1 John right before the book of Revelation, 1 John chapter 1, 1 John 1, not over there with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but over here real close right before the book of Revelation, chapter 1, 1 John 1, verse 5. Verse 5, all the way down through verse 10. 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that Theos, that God, is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Amen. If we say that we have communion with him, and yet walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. How many Christians are guilty of this? Amen? This word communion, we can take it two ways. Amen? I didn't even realize the word communion was there. Amen? And there and there we was, we took communion last night. So we can take it as doing Passover communion, but yet not cleaning sin from our lives. We can take it like that, right? That's one meaning. But then another meaning, we can also take it as meaning that if we say that we're Christians, if we say that we know him, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Really, however which way we take it, they're both accurate. Amen? 
But a lot of Christians, they, they, they say they know the God. They, they know God. They take communion every Sunday or once a month or two or three times a year or on Christmas or on Easter, all these days that the saints in the Bible never took communion on those days, ever. They took communion one day a year, only on Passover evening, and that's it. You can't find anywhere else in the Bible where they took it any other day of the year. Absolutely not. The Christians continue to walk in darkness, darkness of false holidays, pagan holidays. They're walking in darkness when they do Christmas, Amen. when they do Easter. Amen. They're walking in darkness. Literally. Literally, absolutely. And yet they think they do God a service, and the Bible says this, that they think they do God a service. But they definitely don't. And God does not accept vain worship, even as he does not accept the holy days and even prayers if we continue in sin without trying to repent of it. Now, I understand that sometimes there are some sins for some people that take a process of time. I understand that. I, I do understand that it's a process, even as the seven days of unleavened bread represents a process of time of removing the sin from your life. So we accept the Passover Lamb of God, we accept the sacrifice of Christ, and that his work is done, the work of Christ is done, finished on the cross, but our work is not done. Because once he died, immediately follows is seven days of us purifying ourselves, cleansing ourselves. So there is a process. I understand that not every sin in your life can end all in one day. Sometimes it does for some people. But for the majority of us, we continue to struggle with it for Days and weeks and months and years. Amen? That's the reality. That's the process. And so I understand that. God understands that as well. But nevertheless, we must be in that process of detoxing, purifying, cleansing, getting the sin out of our lives. We must be in that process. Absolutely, we have to be working on it continually. Every year, removing something else from our lives. You know, I've been a pastor for 16 years, and for many of those years, it was like, okay, on that particular year, I realized such and such was a sin and removed it from my life, whether it was something in the house, a decoration, something on the wall, a book, whatever, moved, we moved it. And then the next year, you know, I'm realizing, okay, there's something else I got to get rid of. And I get rid of that. And then a few months later, a few weeks later, a few months later, or the next year, I'm coming to realize, oh, this other thing that I've been holding on to, I got to get rid of it now. And then the same thing over a process of years, and the next year, and the next year, and the next year. But most Christians don't do that. 
They don't grow in repentance. They don't grow in the knowledge of the Lord, and they don't grow in the will of God. They just, they just think, they just do one prayer, and it's over with, or one baptism, and it's over with, whatever. But it's a process. Then you have to be continually asking God to purify you, continually seeking the will of God, continually seeking the truth, the knowledge of the truth, the understanding of the truth, obedience, repentance, purification, sanctification, all these things continually over your entire lifetime, continually growing in the in seeking all of these things. If you're not, you will die in your sins. Amen. But it says here, First John one, that in verse uh, seven. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have communion with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He has a part in it, his blood, his sacrifice. He has a part in it. But also notice our part. We walk. If, if we walk in the light, verse part of verse 7, if we walk in the light, even as he himself is in the light, he is our example. We have to follow his example of walking in the light, not in darkness, not in false religion, not in Trinity churches, not in Sunday churches, not in Buddhism, not in Hinduism, not in unbelief, not in lack of faith. We have to be people that persevere and press through in every trial, in every tribulation, in sickness and in death. We press through no matter what. That we continue to press closer and closer and closer to Christ. And instead of the problems of the world causing us to fall away from Christ or lose faith or trust in Christ, Actually, the problems in the world and the problems that come against us actually draw us closer to Christ. Amen. Amen. Something bad happens. We're in sickness or somebody dies or something bad happens, finances or whatever it may be. We get on our knees even more often. We pray even more often. We pray. We pour out our heart, our emotions, and our tears to God even more. It draws us closer to God. Because we really truly want to live for God, serve God. We really love God. People that fall away, evidently their love was not true. Amen. Amen. Is he really, 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 really Number one, is he really number one? That's where it boils down to, amen? For most Christians, he's really not number one. There's everything else is number one. The wife, the husband, the finances, the job, whatever it is, something else is number one for most Christians. That's the truth. 
You know, I've known people that when their wife died or their husband died or something, that they they just completely fall apart and lose all hope in life, all joy, all happiness, all everything. It's, it's as if they got hit by a truck and they never recover. Never, ever, ever recover. This is not Christ. Amen. Christ recovered from the death. Amen. So did his disciples. Amen. They recovered. We can recover. We have new life in Christ. No matter what comes against us, no matter what comes against us, we walk in life. Amen. Notice verse 7, having communion with one another. That's more than just the Passover bread and wine. But that's also fellowship. Fellowship is so very, very, very extremely important. It cannot be overstated how important fellowship is. It cannot be overstated. That's why over the years, over and over and over and over, I have asked people to talk to each other on the social media, chat with each other, get to know each other has been a very unsuccessful campaign. Very unsuccessful campaign. But nevertheless, I've tried. And what would be extremely good for some people, what would be extremely good for some people is to move to a different town or a different state to where you can have more fellowship Amen. with true Christians, with your true brothers and true sisters. Oh, but that would be too much. That would be, or I'm joining a cult, or, or uh, I'm afraid I won't find a job, or whatever. Excuses. Excuses, 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 excuses in that. If I wasn't, and I'm going to tell you the truth, I'm going to be honest with you. This is my true heart. This is honestly my heart. Is if I was not called to be the pastor of this church, and I was just, if I was just one of you, and I was, I was just a lay member of the church, and I was all by myself, there was nobody else around me in my town to fellowship with. I would be moving. I would be. God is my witness. I would be moving. I would move all the way to the other side of the country if I had to, to be with someone in person. If there was somebody that I could move closer to. I know some people, some nations, you don't even have that opportunity. And this is also one of the purposes of the Holy Days. Amen. Is to come together as a congregation, no matter where you're at. Is that if there's somebody in the same nation, we'll use our second tide for the purpose of travel and hotels and food and whatever expenses that are involved to take that pilgrimage every year on the Holy Days for the Passover season, for Pentecost, 
and for the Feast of Tabernacles three times a year. The Bible tells us this. But people are like, well, that's too much. I can't do it. I get fired uh, or whatever. I don't have the vacation time. I don't have the money, whatever. But if you follow the biblical principles of saving your second tithe for that purpose of travel expenses, then you have the money. And the reality is that most jobs and employers do give either vacation time or at least an allowance that if you was to give them enough notice, a couple of months, a month or two in advance, let them know uh, Feast of Tabernacles is coming up, Passover is coming up, Pentecost is coming up, I've got to have so many days off from work, I'm going out of town. They will accommodate you if you are a good employee that they don't want to lose. Amen. I'm not ignorant of these things. I've worked in the grocery stores. I've worked in restaurants. I've worked in businesses that was short-staffed and had a lot of business on Fridays and Saturdays and the holy days and so forth. And I was always able to get the time off from work for every Sabbath and every holy day for year after year after year in different jobs, that other job, that other job, that other job, the other company, the other business, the other type of company, the other type of business. In every situation I've ever been in, I'm not a young guy. I've been around the block. Amen. I've lived in multiple states. And yet in every situation, I was always, always, always able to get all of the holy days off from work. Because I didn't use excuses. I wasn't lacking in faith. I knew I was going to take those days off. It didn't matter what they said about it. Here's the days I'm taking off. It was absolute. I was absolute about it. Amen. Devotion. Devotion to God. Devotion to his commands. Amen. Fellowship is very important, and the holy days is the time when the church needs to be gathered together in the one place where he has set his name. Amen. So, Pentecost is the next gathering. I hope to see people here. Amen. I hope to see people here for Pentecost. It comes up probably June, and there's only one day. And if people would communicate with me and share their concerns and their whys and the ifs and their buts, then maybe I can help you work things out. Amen. I can counsel with you and give you some direction, maybe even financial assistance if that's what's needed. Amen. But people's got to be willing to communicate and people's got to be willing to put God first and also see the seriousness of the need of fellowship. Amen. And some people, some nations, they don't have it. There's nobody else there in their whole nation willing to serve God. If we live in a place where we do have brothers and sisters, then we should take advantage of that. Because there's people that don't have 
that opportunity. If we have the opportunity, we should take advantage of it. So it says here, yeah, Jesus cleanses us from sins, but we're the ones that must walk in that light. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. People twist this as well. They say this means, or therefore, therefore, we'll never be without sin. That's not what it says. It does not say that we cannot ever become without sin. The only thing it's saying is that we have all sinned. I don't disagree with that. I'm not debating that. Of course we have all sinned. Of course we have. But it does not say, nor does it indicate, nor does it teach that we are impossible to get to a point that we are without sin. After all, it is only like here close by, somewhere here in 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, that says that if we are born again, we will not sin, and it would be even difficult to even impossible. 1 John 3, verse 9. 1 John 3, verse 9. Thank you, brother. 1 John 3, verse 9. For one who is born of Theos practices... Uh, no one who is born, no one who is born of Theos practices sin. Because his seed, the Holy Ghost, abides in him, and he can't sin because he is born of Theos. He is born of God. Now, I put in the footnote here in the Alpha Omega Bible, this is not impossible to sin, but it must be our goal. Amen. It must be our goal. So we have to get to the point we have to have a goal of some point of our life before death that we reach that level of purification and sanctification. It's not impossible according to this verse. Amen. It's not impossible according to other verses, not only where it says be perfect and not only where it says be holy, but also where it says perfecting holiness perfecting holiness. If it talks about perfecting holiness, then we can absolutely reach eventually a, a status of a holiness that is perfect. That's what it says, perfecting holiness. Or, you know, or and completing holiness. For the holiness to become complete, same thing. However you want to word it, same thing. It's still the same thing. Going back to chapter 1, 1 John 1, yes, we have sinned. If we say we have not sinned, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, not just some unrighteousness, but all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, the word's not in us. But first we have to realize and confess our sin. That's what it's saying is first we have to realize and confess our sins rather than saying it's not a sin. Amen. So 
So we realize, we confess, when we go to Christ, he forgives us, and that's in connection with communion, taking communion, having communion with Christ, and having communion with one another. This is all in connection with the forgiveness and the confession and forgiveness and the cleansing from sin. That communion has to be part of it. Amen? And yet there's Christians that think that they can be forgiven of their sins and cleansed of their sins and receive salvation and never take communion and never have fellowship and never have communion with anybody ever in their life. Not go to church, not have a pastor, not listen to sermons, just be all by themselves, just do it all by themselves. They don't need anyone. There are people with that mentality. But if we're saved, if we're born again, that we were born into a family. We're born into Christ, but we're also born into the body of Christ, into each other. We take communion with each other, not just only communion with Christ, but we have communion with one another. Brother Jonathan in prison in Arizona last night called us, and we had communion together with Jonathan. I don't know if he had any bread. We know he didn't have any wine, although maybe we should have snuck some wine in. Maybe we should have and could have and would have and should have because... You know, they sneak all kinds of drugs in prison all the time, every day. Amen. They do. Prison guards, and every prison guard that works in a prison, they're part of it. They know what's going on, and they don't stop it. And, of course, we don't want to sneak drugs in, but maybe we should have snuck in some unleavened bread and wine. Maybe that's a goal for next year. Flip the guard 20 bucks. Okay. But it was so nice, so nice to have communion over the phone with our brother uh, in prison. Amen. Look at chapter 2, verse 4. Verse three, actually, chapter two, one John two, verse three. If we know that we come to, if we know that we come to know Him, by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says, "I have come to know Him," and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. For the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner in which he walked. We are to walk in the same, not just similar, not just similar, but in the same manner in which Christ walked. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, but yet without sin. If he could do it, we could do it. But we have to set our minds to it. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians 6. Verse 14. 
We've read this over and over and over and over. It should be ingrained in your mind and your heart by now. You should be able to quote at least part of it, maybe all of it by now. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unfaithfulness. What partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what communion has light with darkness? This ain't talking only about marriage, but also who you have communion with, who you fellowship with, who your best friend is, who you hang out the most with, and what church you go to. All of that. In every aspect of life, in every aspect, every area of life, this is true. To not be tied together with people who walk in darkness. Amen. Verse 15, what harmony has Christ with Bala? Or what portion faithfulness with unfaithfulness? Or what agreement has the temple of Theos with idols? For we are the temple of the living Theos. Just as Theos said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their Theos, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, for then I will welcome you. That word and in Greek, we translate it many, 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 many different ways. It be translated as the word next, or then, or but, or yet. It can be translated multiple, multiple different ways. I think here really it needs to be then I will welcome you. And the context is you do this, then I do this. That's the context. You do this, you come out from them, you be separate, which means sanctified set apart, you do this, come out, do not touch them, do not participate, do not assemble with them, with the Sunday and Trinity Christmas Easter people, and then I will welcome you. Only then. Only then. People think they can continue in false religion and still be welcomed by God. You have to leave those false churches. Verse 18, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters to me. Then the next verse, next chapter, chapter 7, verse 1, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit Perfecting holiness in the fear of Theos. Well, there's a lot in that verse. There's like at least four sermons in that one verse. Amen. If I ever need inspiration for sermon, I should turn to that verse because there's multiple, multiple sermons in that verse. Amen. And it says, let us cleanse ourselves. Yes, Christ cleanses us. But we also have to cleanse us every day, ourselves. Now, Christ died one time for us. It's like a father or a mom that teaches their children to take a bath. 
But once you become old enough, you start bathing yourself. You no longer depend on your parents to cleanse you. Christ did it one time, but we have to take up the job. His job is finished on the cross, but now it's our job and our duty and our responsibility to stay clean, and then when we get dirty, to clean ourselves. We have to cleanse ourselves, not only Christ, but we have to cleanse ourselves, according to this verse and other verses. And we cleanse ourselves from every defilement, all defilement, both physically and spiritually. This is what this says. We need to cleanse ourselves both physically and spiritually. So today I'm talking about detoxification of both spirit and flesh. Because the warfare, spiritual warfare of demons, Nephilim, and spiritual principalities is at war against both our spirit and our flesh. They literally want to kill us. They literally want to commit genocide against everybody on earth and turn the whole human species, the survivors, into robots. This is what they want to do. It's very clear. If you follow very much of the news, you should be already coming into that understanding that that's what they want to do. Even the Bible talks about it in Daniel, the iron mixing with the clay. That is talking about them turning the clay humans, the dirt-made humans, into iron robots. Firebirds, androids, android, android. Get it? Are you starting to see the picture? Even the android's name on Star Trek was Data. Data was the android's name on Star Trek. Are you starting to get the picture even more? We need to be cleansed, purified, detoxed of both spirit and flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Most Christians don't have the fear of God. Amen. They really don't. They really don't. And let's go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Page 186 if you have the paperbacks of the Alpha and Omega Bible, restoration of the original scriptures using the older manuscripts, older than the manuscripts that was used to translate the King James Version from. We're going back to the older manuscripts here with the Alpha and Omega Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of Theos. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor soft people, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, or alcoholics, or revelers, 
or swindlers. None of these would inherit the kingdom of Theos. But such were some of you. But you were washed, cleansed. But you were sanctified. But you were acquitted in the authority of the Lord Jesus, the Christ, and in the spirit of our Theos. Amen. The majority of things were lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. The majority of things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Footnote, I've got written there in the footnote, alcohol being the perfect example. Alcohol is permissible. It is permissible, but it can bring damnation to a person who allows it to take control over them. So it says the majority of things is lawful for me. I can I can drink, I can do this, I can do that, I can do this, I can do that, but I won't let anything master me. That's talking about addiction to anything, not or or obsession with things. So certain sports, certain drinks, certain things may be okay to a degree. Different things in life may be okay to a degree, but overindulgence, over going overboard, allowing it to control you, allowing it to be become number one in your life, or or ruining your finances, or ruining your life and your decisions and so forth, allowing such things to to master you, take control over you. As such were some of you, it says in verse 11, as such were some of you. We may have at one time been too soft, or we was idolatrous when we was doing Christmas and Easter and Sunday, we were idolatrous. Amen. Different things in this list, every one of us listening today should be able to say, that was me. Every one of you listening right now should be able to look at one of these categories of sins and say, that was me. Maybe even two of these categories, maybe even three or four or five of these categories. You should be able to come to the realization and confess, that was me. But I am washed. If I've been baptized, how can you be how can you be washed unless you're baptized? Amen. They don't even preach baptism anymore. They don't even believe in baptism anymore. In Acts two, Peter is preaching a sermon, and the people was convicted of their sins because of the preaching. It wasn't a watered down message. They was convicted in their hearts, pricked in their hearts of their sins, and they said, "What must we do? What must we do?" Was their response. And Peter Peter did not say, repeat the words after me, or just believe in God, or just believe that you have been saved, or just believe that you will be saved. But rather he said, repent. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. He didn't say forgiveness of sins. He said, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. But most churches don't preach this, even though that is a Bible verse. 
And then it's confirmed in Mark 16, 16. Mark 16, 16 says that those that believe and are baptized shall be saved. Amen. Believe and are baptized shall be saved. But the traditional churches, the only thing they know is John 3, 16, and, and, and grace, by grace you are saved, not by your works. These are the only two verses they know. And yet, they completely ignore the commandments of being baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Completely ignore a lot of verses, don't they? Amen. The majority of the Bible, they ignore. The majority of the Bible, a lot of them don't even own an Old Testament. So we have to be sanctified. Amen? We need to be sanctified. We need to detox from all the sins. Let's go to the book of James, chapter 4, James 4. That's right after Hebrews. James 4, verse 7. James 4, verse 7. Submit, therefore, to Theos. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice first, before it says resisting the devil, it first mentions submitting to God. you got to submit to God first. There's, there's a lot of people out there doing it the opposite direction. They think that they can defeat sin without getting saved, without getting baptized. A lot of people think that. The brother in Australia, Peter, and other people. And I think maybe even, there might be even a husband holding back a wife out there somewhere a husband in Africa holding back a wife thinking that she has to be become perfect first before she's baptized. That's backwards. That's backwards. We can't hold people to an overabundance of a degree of sanctification, of the rules of sanctification and the requirements of sanctification, all of this, what we expect from them, unless they first get saved. Amen? There's a lot of people thinking that either themselves or somebody else, that they have to get rid of all sin first, every sin, every stumbling block, every obstacle, every hindrance, everything first, then get baptized. That's not the way it works. We have to get saved first. Then God gives us his Holy Ghost, which empowers us to be stronger against sin and temptation and Babylonian doctrines and Babylonian things and the things of the world and so forth. 
we come to Christ, then he cleanses us, then we maintain the cleanliness. We don't cleanse ourselves first. He cleanses us first. Amen. Then we maintain that cleanliness. Amen. And it says, repent and be baptized. We repent of the biggest things. We repent in believing in a trinity. We repent in believing in Christmas and Easter and Sunday churches. We repent, we repent of those things, and then we uh, come into the baptism, being born again, receiving the Holy Ghost, being cleansed by Christ. And then we continue the process of unleavening, the lesson of these seven days of unleavened bread that we are, uh, are in right now, the seven days of unleavened bread. This is picturing the process that is going to take time to continue to cleanse ourselves, to continue the process of purification and detoxing from false religion, unlearning all the lies, of uh, and surrendering to God. Amen. We got to draw near to God first. Then we can resist the enemy. Resist the devil and he flee from you. Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify, detox, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Amen. And we have to confess that we're double-minded if we are recommending to anyone a Sunday preacher or a Trinity preacher or a Y-name preacher or a Torah Roots preacher or a Hebrew Roots preacher or any such thing, and we're recommending that either to ourselves or, some, or to someone else, and we're following that ministry, and we're listening to their sermons, we're watching their website, we're keeping up with their website, whatever, receiving their newsletter, whatever it is. People make excuses. Well, I'm not sending my tithes. I'm not listening every week. But I do listen occasionally. That's still double-minded. If you send me their link or you recommend him or you say, I, I, I still think he's saved. I still think he's saved, even though he doesn't keep the Sabbath, even though, even though he doesn't keep God's holy days, even though you know he still keeps Christmas and Easter, you know he still believes in the Trinity, you know he's still a Sunday preacher. And then if we go on from that preacher, you go on to a different preacher, go over to the Hebrew root side. Oh, God has forgiven him of uh, stealing the, the money from the church and the people and from the elderly. God forgave him, even though he was already in the church, even though he was already a preacher, even though he was already a pastor. When he stole the money, oh, God forgave him. And he's repentant and he cried. Even statues cry. Even statues bleed. But once a pastor betrays the flock, he is fired. Amen. Amen. 
That's a judgment from God. You read anywhere in the Bible where Eli's sons, where they, where they, they did wrong against God and offered strange fire to God or whatever it was that they did, and then, and then, and, and then they repent and then they cry and they come back to God. No, I know God is the second God of second chances. I know that we can repent and all this. I know God forgives sins and cleanses sins, stuff like that. But there are certain things that a person can do in life that God will fire your butt. Amen? Amen. God will fire you. God does forsake people. Absolutely. He will forsake a pastor if the pastor is stealing and, and scheming money for riches to enrich himself from, from sick people and elderly people and disabled people outward from the church. That man is fired by God. He can repent and get saved, but he ain't coming back into leadership. He is not coming back to do the same thing again, and I'm not no fool. I'm not listening to such a bastard. I'm not listening to such a demonic person. You can say all you want to you think he's saved. Bull crap. Stop being double-minded and start honoring your husband. Stop speaking evil of your husband to somebody else. Do not speak evil of your husband to another man that you never met. Honor your husband, respect your husband, and let him be the man. Then you won't have to tell him what to do. Now, I don't know why I've got so many crazy people coming out of the woodworks. I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I'm starting to lose count of how many people are stalking me and how many people uh, are having uh, seeing Elvis Presley in heaven and how many people are, uh, I, I can't, man, crazy people coming out of the woodworks. Ugh. People have got to be start being double-minded. Make up your mind. Are you going to serve God and follow only the true preachers of one God, no trinity, or what? Is God one, is God three? Make up your mind. We sure don't need a double-minded preacher in that. I know I'm not the only preacher out there. I know that the people are starving for for um, fellowship. I know people are starving for fellowship. But if I recommend another preacher, another church, another congregation, it will only, only, only be a preacher, a church, a congregation that believes in one God and his Sabbath day. 
I would never, ever, ever, ever recommend to anyone to go to a church where they believe that God has three different heads or God is three different, distinct, totally separate and different people. Three different people? You might as well be a Hindu. If you want to believe that God is three different people, you might as well be a Hindu and not a Christian because that's exactly what you are and not a Christian. Let's go to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. For those just tuning in, you're listening to the live worship services of I Saw the Light Ministries. I saw the light because God delivered me from darkness. Amen? I've left false religion because God does not want a religion. He wants personal relationship. Amen. Ephesians 5, verse 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Boy, this is going to blow your lid. <laughs> Praise God Almighty. Fasten your seatbelts, lady. Verse 21. Ephesians 5, verse 21, and submit yourselves to one another in the fear of Christ. We just read a while ago about the fear of God. People do not have the fear of Christ. And, and that's a very interesting term. Not just fear of God, but even fear of Christ. That's a very interesting term. Amen. Amen. People think that when Christ returns, that he's coming back smiling and hugging and kissing, and, and it's going to be a day of nothing but celebration and joy and love and peace. They got a mentality of Christ coming as a hippie. Amen. The tree hugger. But Revelation 19 describes Christ coming with his robe soaked in the blood of his enemies. If you compare that verse in Revelation 19 with a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah what? 63, I think. 63, perhaps. That, that is the blood of his enemies. Christ is coming back with his clothing soaked in the blood of his enemies and coming back in great wrath, destroying and killing, really, millions of people gathered there at the, the Valley of Megiddo at the Battle of Armageddon. That's how Christ is coming. People don't have fear of Christ. Amen. Their image of Christ is a person that never offends, never points out sin, never condemns anybody, never calls out names, never gets angry. That's their false image of Christ. That is not the Christ of the Bible at all. Amen. At all. They need to read the Bible, all of that. If there's anyone out there that has not yet read the entire Bible and you are not currently working on that goal, I ask you, I beseech you, I beg you, I encourage you to set a goal 
a start reading, maybe around average of three chapters a day, every day, average of three chapters, sometimes two, three, or four. And, and, and set that goal of reading the entire Bible, every word of it, because unless you do that, and until you do that, you don't understand. And you can claim that you understand until you turn blue in the face. You can claim it and claim it and claim it and claim it. But until you read it, all of it, you don't yet understand. You got to read the whole book to understand. You got to watch the whole movie to really understand the movie. You got to read the whole book to really, really understand the book. So here in Ephesians 5, verse 21, submit yourselves to one another, not only to God, but to each other. That's why we need deacons and pastors and evangelists and prophets and apostles and lay members. Not all of us can be chiefs. There's too many chiefs and not enough, not enough Indians. Amen? Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Every man and every woman out there on Facebook think they're a preacher. Every one of them. As soon as they get saved, on the very day of salvation, they start preaching, start making websites, and start writing books, and making videos, and acting like they're an expert on, on Hebrew, and acting like they're an expert in theology, acting like they're being a pastor for 15, 16 years. They just got saved yesterday. And some of them's not even saved yet. Some of them's not even baptized yet. And they're already making teaching videos. What a upside world, upside down world we live in. Amen. Not everybody is called to be a preacher or a pastor or a teacher. But they sure think they are. We gotta submit ourselves to one another. There are offices of administration. There are offices of administration in the church. Verse twenty-two, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the congregation of called out ones, the ecclesia, the ecclesia. He himself is the savior of the body. But as the congregation of called out ones is subject to Christ, so also the wives are to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the congregation of called out ones and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the worship of water with the word that he might present to himself the congregation of called out ones in all of her glory, having no spot nor wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. This is talking about the church. When Christ comes for his bride, the church of God, the church is going to be saints, without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. Holy in every aspect, holy and blameless. False religion, false churches, false Christians claim this is only because that Christ shed his blood and that's it. Only because Christ shed his blood, 
Period. They're ignoring a lot of verses. Amen. They're ignoring every verse we've read today. Every verse we've read today. And we've read a lot of verses today. Amen. <clears throat> Being holy and blameless is not only by the cleansing of Christ, but also that we maintain that cleanliness and we continue to cleanse ourselves and we continue to move sin out of our lives on a daily, weekly, and yearly basis. 28. So husbands all also to love their own wives as their own bodies. So here we're talking about not only the spirit, but the flesh. We do love our bodies. Especially men. We love our bodies. Amen? We, we work out. We build our muscles. We want six-pack. We want a strong, built chest. It seems like I never get there, but we want that. Right? Men love their bodies. We ought to also love our wives, amen, and each other and the church. Because really all of this is a picture of the church in the context, amen. This is really a picture of the church, and we need to love our sisters and our brothers and seek fellowship and want fellowship and understand the seriousness of fellowship, amen. We need each other. We need each other, and we are not computer robots, even though that's what, you know, that is what their goal, the New World Order goal, is to make us computer robots and to make us less human. They're very successful in that. Very, very, very successful in that. We got these emoticons, emojis, symbols. And everything I say and do, emoticon, emoji, symbol, instead of using human words, we've, we've lost touch with our humanity. And we no longer look at each other as a person with feelings and a heart, but rather it's just an emoticon, it's just an emoji, it's just... All right, let's just get this out of the way. Let's just get this out of the way because uh, there's not a person behind there. There's not a person. There's not a human. There's not a heart. There's not a mind behind it. <coughs> they want us to just kill each other, murder each other without a heart. You know, this is why children are killing their parents. It's because they sit watching a video game of shooting people and killing people and stabbing each other and, and, and cutting heads off. And they play that video game for hours and hours and hours and hours, every day, every day, every day, killing people in the video games. And then mommy and daddy comes home and spanks you. And then the next thing you know, they're blowing each other's brains out and cutting each other up into a million pieces. This is the reason. Video games. And, and social media and Facebook and Twitter and the list is endless. Pin, pin interest and in, uh, Instagram. I'm not against social media. I encourage people to get on social media. But let's be more human about it. 
Amen. Let's seek in-person fellowship. Let's seek in You know what? We could have already had hundreds of congregations established by now. Hundreds. We really could have already had hundreds of congregations throughout the different states, cities, and nations. Not one of you would have to be without fellowship. If every person that have contacted me over the years would have stayed in the truth, stayed committed to Christ, and followed the ministry and followed through the whole way, instead of backing out, instead of pointing out my sins, instead of getting up in my face because you didn't like a certain thing I said, or instead of turning around halfway before you even got here, or whatever, a million different situations. If every person would have stayed true to the direction that God had put them on in the first place, we could have such a tremendous such a tremendous gathering of saints. Amen. But people don't understand the magnitude of what they've thrown away. People that live right here in this town right here where I'm standing right now, they have met me in person, they have sat in the pews, they have come to services, they have kept Holy Day with us, they have kept communion with us, so forth, that's no longer here because they're childish. Because they are childish. Because they won't forgive, they won't put things in the past, they won't let go of their bitterness, they won't salt swallow their pride, they won't confess their part of what they did. And they just throw it away. Even a, a woman listening right now in Jamaica, hopefully she's listening. But if she's listening, it's listening in vain unless she confess her sins, her laziness, her complacency, her falling away. It's, if you're listening, Fiona, you're listening in vain unless you confess your fault. Your fault. Unless you confess your fault and your sin, you're just listening in vain. Just in vain. It's, it's without any purpose at all unless you contact me and confess your sin and contact Brother Kareem and confess your sin. And people that's sitting on the fence. If we're talking about detoxing, we're talking about sanctification and purification and cleansing, we might as well spell it out, be honest, and just say it exactly the way it is. I'm not here to water it down. The Bible tells me in the book of Isaiah that I am to spare not, but to blow the trumpet, to sound the alarm, to spare not, and to tell my people their sins. That is why the Bible speaks of the, the, the office 
of a prophet, even the office of a pastor, is to tell the church their sins. Because if we don't, then we're turning a blind eye to the sins. My heart is to get people to repent, to turn to Christ, to surrender to Christ, and to build the church. To increase the church, to, uh, uh, to usher in God's kingdom. This is my heart. I'm not trying to be a dictator, but I have to exercise the authority that God has given. Nobody else is going to do it. Amen. Okay, so let's move on to... Uh, Daniel chapter 12. Daniel 12. Almost done here. Daniel 12. Daniel chapter 12. Let's start in verse 9. Daniel 12 verse 9. And if you have a newer copy, you have a newer copy, one of the most uh, most recent updates, we, we, we add it in the AOB Bible. We now got uh, two lines for every verse in the book of Daniel because we're showing the Theodosian version of Daniel translated in the first century AD. And then we've got underneath that on every verse, is we've got what we call the Old Greek, which is even older than the first century AD. Uh, so the second line of every verse would be the older manuscript of Daniel. And we put them uh, underneath each other as a comparison. And if you look at verse 9, Daniel 12, verse 9, if we look at um, the uh, Theodosian version, which would be the, the first sentence of verse 9, he said, Go, Daniel, for the words are closed. This is page 190. Page 190. Daniel 12, verse 9. He said, Go, Daniel, for the words are closed and sealed up until the time of the end. Verse 10, top line, many must be tested and thoroughly whitened and tried with fire and sanctified. But the transgressors shall transgress, and none of the transgressors will understand. But the wise will understand. Amen. Verse 11, and from the time of the alteration or removal of the long-term offering, when the abomination of desolation shall be allowed, 
Those should be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Verse twelve: Blesses he that waits and comes to a thousand three hundred and thirty-five days. So what this is saying is that from the time of the abomination of desolation until the day Jesus comes, even though it doesn't use that term, that phrase, the it is 1,335 days, 1,335 days. Blesses he that waits and comes to that day, 1,335 days. Why, why is he blessed? It's because that is the coming of the Lord. This is the entire uh, time of great tribulation and wrath uh, all added up together and 30, 30 days of fleeing before that, also added within that time frame. Now, I want to, well, two things I must do here, two things. Let's take it one step at a time. First of all, notice in verse 10 that we must be tested and tried with fire and sanctified. We need to be detoxed spiritually and physically. We could compare this with uh, uh, Peter, the book of 1 Peter, talks about that our trials are more precious than gold. That's 1 Peter 1. That our trials are more precious than gold. Uh, gold, uh, uh, how does it say it? More precious than gold, uh, tried by fire. Something like that. And so that indicates to us, and even in Revelation 3, verse 18, and I want you to take your ink pen and write in at the end of verse 10. At the end of verse 10, I want you to write in Revelation 3, verse 18. And I also want you to write in 1 Peter 1. And I'm going to get the verse for you real quick here. As well, in Peter one, verse seven. And all of these verses talk about that we need to be purified, sanctified through our trials, our tribulations, our problems. Nobody enjoys having a problem. But we must understand and realize more and more as we get older in Christ, we need to realize that the sufferings in life make us a stronger and better person. It develops our character. It develops who we are as a person. And a person that has suffered much in life, poverty and sickness and afflictions, is going to be a stronger person and a stronger character. But a person that has been had a, a, a weak life, a soft life, a person that's not suffered much, a person that was born with a silver spoon in their mouth, a person that has been spoiled all their life and taken care of by mommy and daddy, Parents, you need to be careful 
about spoiling your children as both children and adults both to not spoil your children because such a person will have a softer uh, character, more easily injured. We need to be able to develop uh, not a hard heart, but rather a tough heart. Not a hard mind, but a tough mind. Amen? We need to develop strong, tough spiritual muscles, strong, tough spiritual mind, mentality, character to both men and women both men and women, you need to develop a mentality and a character and a personality, a, a, a self that is strong, that's able to endure the hardest of times, the hardest of tribulations. Amen. But here's the second thing I need to do, and this is mind-blowing. This, this blew my mind when I came to realize this last night. We need to add this to the uh, rapture article, what I'm about to say, the rapture.html article, is that notice the context of this being tested and tried in verse 10 is in the context of the Great Tribulation because it's talking about the 1,335 days starting with the abomination of desolation going all the way to the day of blessing, which would be the day of Christ. That's the day of blessing. And so um, this is proof. Without any shadow of doubt, this is absolute proof that the church, the saints, will be here during the entire 1,335 days. Now, a lot of people believe in seven years, which is not biblical at all. But even if you did believe in seven years and you believed that there was two different three-and-a-half-year time frames, the context of this is the last three-and-a-half years after the abomination of desolation. That is the time of the saints being tried here on earth. This is absolute proof that there's no such thing as a pre-trib action, as well as where it says that God will empower uh, what we call the Antichrist. The Bible doesn't call him that. But that God will empower him and turn the saints over to him. The Bible says that. The only way that anybody could ever believe in a pre-trib rapture is through brainwashing. That's the only way. Because if you were just to read the Bible yourself, you would not believe in a pre-trib rapture. There's no words in the Bible that describes it. There's no words in the Bible that describes a rapture occurring before the tribulation. But in fact, the complete opposite the complete opposite. You read about the saints being called up to heaven after, after the tribulation of those days, it says in Matthew 24, after the tribulation of those days. 
even 2 Thessalonians 2. It says, about the gathering of yourselves together to the Lord. Think not that it is come, coming until you see the man of sin, the man of destruction, that we call the Antichrist, until he is manifested. And even then, even then, you still got to go through that, 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 that time of trial, that time of purification. We need the sufferings. We need for uh, death in our family and sickness and disease and trials and tribulation and finance, financial problems and all the other problems that have come upon us. We need every one of these problems to test us, to try us. <clears throat> what that word try means to test. God must test us to see if we will endure into the end. Now, here's another, here's another thing here. Verse 12, the top line, the top sentence, the Theodosian version, blessed he that waits. The AOB would continue to perfect. We continue to edit it and perfect it. So we're, we're scratching out the word waits and we're putting the word endures. Blessed is he that endures and comes to that time frame. Then in the old Greek version, we're going to make some edits there as well. The old Greek, the second line of verse 12. Blessed is he that abides and we and he shall gather them for 1,335 days. We need to reword that. You can scratch out uh, this entire part. Scratch out, he shall gather for A. Scratch out, make one big line to it, he shall gather for A. And right underneath that, <clears throat> we're going to correct it. <clears throat> And we're going to first put parentheses, stays true, then in your parentheses, close up your parentheses. And then we're going to put and then assembles at. Stays true in parentheses. Then we're going to put then assembles at. Then assembles at. So it's going to read like this. Blesses he that abides, stays true, and then assembles at the 1,335 days. So in both versions of that verse, Old Greek and Theodosian, it is a principle of, of enduring and abiding and stand true to God, stand true to his commandments, and enduring the tribulation. And then assembling or gathering yourselves together with Christ at the end of that time period. Amen. We're not gathered to Christ before the tribulation. Amen. God is good. One more verse, and then we're going to talk about physical detoxing. Let's go to Exodus chapter 12, because now 
I want to transition. And as you're turning to Exodus 12, I need to finish off what I've been talking about because actually what we're going to read in Exodus is a different topic uh, as I turn to Exodus 12. But to finish off what I've been saying is Yes, we need to cleanse ourselves and be sanctified and purify ourselves. How do we do that? One way we do that is by removing sin from our life, repenting of sin, and continuing to grow in repentance on a yearly basis. But another way we do that is also by removing false religions from our life. If we use the word detox or detoxification, when we think about physical detoxification, we're thinking about moving poisons from our bodies, flushing it out of our bodies. Well, to do that spiritually, you have to get both the sin and the cause of the sin out of your life. False preachers, false pastors, false religions, false denominations, false churches, false bad websites, false books, bad books, so forth. But also, who you hang out with. Sinners in your life that influence you to do bad. That has to be removed from your life as a spiritual detox. And you need to read the Bible, pray, surrender to Christ, and true worship. Not only worshiping on the seventh day, but sometime during the week, putting on worship music or without music, just in your prayer time to raise your hands, to honor God, to worship God, to verbally worship God in your prayers, even if you don't use music. You don't have to use music to worship. But it helps, especially if you're new to Christ or if you're really, really struggling then the music helps with the music. But the music helps with the worship. True obedience to correct doctrine. These are ways that you spiritually detox. But, okay, so that is finished. That's done. What I want to talk about now is tonight. Tonight is the night to be much observed. Why do we call it that? And why are we observing the night to be much observed tonight? That is not talked about by some of the groups that keep Passover in the days of unleavened bread. They leave out the night to be much observed. What is it? And what is the Bible verse that supports such a doctrine of the night to be much observed? We find it in Exodus 12. And we're going to start in verse 37. Exodus 12, verse 37. And the children of Jezreel departed from Ramesses, Egypt, to Sukkoth, to the full number of 600,000 footmen, besides the women and the children. So only 600,000 men, plus women, plus smaller children. Children. So that would have been over a million. Amen. 
That would have been over a million people that was leaving Egypt. Verse 38, and a great mixed company, a mixed group of people, went up with them, and sheep and oxen and very much cattle. So that means that there were some Egyptians that also went with them. And their cattle. Verse 39, and they had baked the dough which they brought out of Egypt, unleavened loaves, for it had not been leavened because the Egyptians threw them out and they could not remain. Neither did they prepare provision for themselves for the journey. And the sojourning or the traveling of the children of Jezreel, while they sojourned or dwelt in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, was 430 years. Notice that it doesn't say that they was in Egypt 430 years, like most people think, and like all the false churches teach, but rather it says Egypt and the land of Canaan. So it's going back to the entrance of Abraham into the land of Canaan. It's not talking about just the time that Joseph and the, the uh, sons of Israel were in Egypt, but rather it's going all the way back to the time of Abraham entering Canaan. They were not slaves in Egypt for 400 years, as commonly taught. Absolutely not. Amen. We have proven this. We have evidence that that's a whole different topic, a whole different sermon. You can find a video about it that will absolutely convince you it's absolutely the truth. If you go to isolabiteministries.com and look for the video section and then find the video for um, that they were not slaves 400 years in Egypt. So it's the land of Canaan as well as Egypt that adds up to 430 years. Then go to verse 41. Verse 41, and it came to pass after 430 years that all the forces of Jesus came forth out of the land of Egypt by night. Verse 42, it is a night to be observed to Jesus, for that he, having brought them out of the land of Egypt, that very night is a night to be observed. It doesn't say much observed, but a night to be observed to Jesus so that it should be to all the children of Jezreel to their generations. So not just only that generation, but really throughout all the generations that we are still to remember that night even to this time. Yeah. And not just for Jewish people and not just for Americans, which are the tribe of Manasseh, and not just for the British people, which are the tribe of Ephraim, but also even the tribe of Dan. They were there. Amen. They were there. And the tribe of Manasseh was there, and Ephraim was there. This wasn't just the Jews. Traditional false Christianity teaches you it was the Jews. But it was all the tribes of Israel. Amen. Even the Danites 
the Danish people, even the Manasseh, even the ancestors of America and the ancestors of the British, they were there. It was not just the Jews. And so this is not just for the Jews. And Passover is not just for the Jews. And the Holy Days and the Sabbath is not just for the Jews. Amen. And even if you're not American, even if you're not Danish or, or, or British or any such thing, it's still for anyone that would come into the spiritual family of Israel. Amen? Amen. If you are a spiritual Israelite, then this would still be important to you. Amen? Everything about the Bible, everything about the Bible would still be important to you as a spiritual Israelite, a saved person. Amen. So tonight is the night that they cross the Red Sea. And that, for us, regardless of what, what race, what color you are, what nation you're from, it symbolizes for us our departure from false religion, false churches, the Sunday churches, the Trinity churches, so forth, atheism, unbelief, Buddhism, Hinduism, and so forth. And so it's important to us today in the New Covenant time era. So tonight is a night of celebration, a night of feasting, and even enjoying wine, beer, alcohol, mixed drinks, whatever, is a night of making your heart merry. Amen. Which the churches are against, especially if they're Pentecostal. Pentecostal churches think that you have to be sad and groomy all the time. That you cannot make your heart merry. They think drinking alcohol is a sin because they only pick and choose only the verses that warn about overindulgence in alcohol, while ignoring the fact that Joseph drunk heavily with his brothers when they met him back in Egypt, and uh, many other verses in the Bible where the men of God was drinking heavily, even the original Translation of Psalm 23 talks about that, Amen. which they completely leave out now and completely hide and completely mistranslate it on purpose just to hide what the Bible says. Even as Paul said earlier that most things are lawful for me. I just won't allow anything to master me, to take addiction over me. Amen. So there's a lot of legalism in traditional churches. Tonight is a night to be observed. Amen. Now, let's move on quickly to physical detox. We're talking about also physical detox because there is a war against our entire being. Amen. Physically and spiritually. It's a war against our life. They are trying 
to kill us. So I've watched some videos and I've seen different reports, different doctors, different sciences over a period of time. This is not just one video. This is not just one article. This is not just one website. It continues to come back to my attention over and over and over again. I've seen the evidence, I've seen the proof, and I am now convinced that they are that they are putting the fake vaccines and other uh, toxic things in our water supplies, in our food, in the meats, in the farm animals, in the fruits and vegetables. So this can't be solved just only by becoming a weak vegetarian. Which a vegetarian is a person with a weak mind. It's exactly what it is. And a weak body as well. Amen. So that can't it can't solve the problem. The problem is not, I mean, the solution is not to stop eating meat or stop eating vegetables or stop drinking water. That's not the solution. The solution is to be careful about what you buy, the brand that you buy at, the store you buy at, the price you buy at, uh, try to buy it organic whenever possible. I would recommend people try to find the local hunters in your area, the people that hunt, and the people that you know that can hunt, to encourage them to go back hunting again and get me some food. I will pay you They'll go hunting. I will pay you to go hunting and to bring that food back to me. We need to be doing that. We need to support local farms, local organic farms. Uh, whenever possible, grow our own food whenever possible. It's not possible for everybody. It's not possible for everybody because uh, some people live in different climates. Some people live in frozen climates. Some people can't afford a greenhouse. Some people don't have the talents and the gifts that other people have. Some people don't have the finances that other people have. So forth. There's a lot of different situations in different people's lives. But whenever possible, try to grow your own food, even if it is just one tomato plant or just one plant inside your home or on your porch or in your backyard or whatever you can do if that is possible then i encourage you to do that and improve upon it and expand it as as it is possible for you to do so and in addition to all this we need to be filtering our water if you have a city water supply and even if you're drinking from a well, because there can be contaminants, there could be viruses, bacteria, there could be things even coming out of the rainwater, unfortunately. They might be spraying the skies. They might be poisoning the air. We really can't put anything past them now. Amen. Because we're dealing with mad sciences. Amen. We really are. We're dealing with demonic people, people of demon-possessed, and Nephilim that are 
in the New World Order, Bill Gates, George Soros, uh, Charles Schwab, the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, and so forth, the Biden regime, and so forth. Uh, even Putin, president of Russia, people think that he is their savior, that he's going to save us from the New World Order. They are sadly disillusioned, they are sadly deceived and brainwashed because Putin is not against the New World Order at all. He's part of the New World Order. He's one of the, the chiefs of the New World Order. He's one of the leading people bringing, bringing the New World Order into the world. Uh, it's absolutely uh, mind-boggling how gullible people are. Anything that Alex Jones says is, is doctrine is theology. Uh, uh, I got news for you. Alice Jones is not called by God. He's not a man of God. He's not a true preacher's true servant of God. Uh, it doesn't take much spiritual discernment to know that. Amen. Uh, you could take a little child, five years old, sit him in front of an Alex Jones video, five minutes time, that little child could tell you, that's not a man of God. Amen? It doesn't take much discernment. So I'm going to tell you, you men of God and you women of God, you need to develop a child's discernment. You need to develop that in five minutes' time. I know your strengths and I know your weaknesses. It doesn't take much time to figure people out because really people these days, they wear everything on their sleeves. People these days, they have a big mouth and they just spill their guts and they just, I mean, it doesn't take much discernment anymore Amen. about anyone because people don't hold back anymore like they used to. They just spill it all out. They just spill it all out there. Amen. If it's not in their words, it's in their actions. If it's not in their actions, it's in their faces, their looks, the way they look at you, the way they look. And you should observe people. Amen. Observe them. Observe how they are acting and looking and reading and learn people. The leaders, the churches, the church leaders need to be able to learn people, learn people's mannerisms and so forth, and uh, because a leader uh, has a lot of responsibility, we need to be able to read people quickly, amen. Going back to detox, vitamin C is extremely important for detoxing from aluminum and iron and metals that are in the vaccine and that they're spraying in the air and that they're putting in the water and the food supply. Vitamin C is extremely important. And I'm not saying go to the store or get on Amazon and order vitamin C. I'm not saying that because you're probably ordering poison. But rather what I'm saying is that green bell peppers 
and jalapenos and banana peppers and all your different peppers have a lot of vitamin C. And all your berries, your blueberries, your strawberries, your blackberries, your raspberries, all of your berries have a lot of vitamin C. Uh, pine tree, uh, pine tree needles to boil the pine tree needles. That has a lot of vitamin C. A lot of flowers, a lot of herbs that grow in the wild have a lot of vitamin C. So you can get a vitamin C from a lot of things without ordering it. Citrus fruits, oranges and limes, grapefruits, and also rose hips have a, tons of vitamin C. That's one of your best sources of natural, real vitamin C is you can order powdered organic rose hips. Powdered organic rose hips, one of your best natural sources of vitamin C. It's loaded with other nutrients as well. Then we also need omega-3s, which you can get some sardines and fish oil and nuts. And sardines is really the cleanest type of fish that you can eat. So it's much more cleaner than the local fish because all the water is contaminated in every nation on earth. The water is contaminated in the local rivers and lakes, even all across America. It's a very sad situation. Sardines is the cleanest fish that you can eat with the less mercury in it and so forth. It's a great source of, of natural fish oils. And then your nuts. A lot of people have like walnut trees in your local community, uh, acorn trees, hickory nuts. Let's start taking advantage of that. Let's start harvesting that. Let's learn how to harvest it. Let's perfect it. Let's try. We need to improve on that. Whatever local food trees you've got, use them. A lot of people in the United States, they have food trees in their yard, nut trees and fruit trees, and they just fall to the ground and rotten, and nobody eats it. That's the way Americans are, lazy, lazy, and wasteful. It's very bad, very, very sad, very frustrating. So Americans need to step up to the plate, stop being lazy butts, and eat the fruit that's growing in your yard instead of letting them sit there in the yard going to waste. At least give them to the homeless. At least give them to the soup kitchen, something, instead of letting them rot on the ground. It's ridiculous. Um, and we need to drink sufficient water but filtering it, even if you have to beg on the streets for a few days to make enough money to buy a good, high-quality water filter that advertises that it actually removes the metals. Because we're not concerned just about viruses. We're concerned about metals because they are putting, I believe they're putting microchips and uh, miniature microscopic robots inside the vaccines and food and water supply. I've seen the proof of this. I've seen the proof. And they try and turn everybody into robots. They're trying to kill people and turn everybody into robots. This is what they're doing. So every one of us, even if you've not been vaccinated, every one of us, we're under attack and our blood 
I've seen the proof of it. Different doctors, different scientists given proof that even the unvaccinated that we have already been contaminated in our blood, that we have metal self-assembling particles, self-assembled that are putting their pieces together inside our bodies, even if we're not being vaccinated. That's very scary. That's very scary. That has to be coming from our food and water and the air. It has to be coming from somewhere if we've not been taking the injections. And of course, we've, some people believe in shedding. That might be true as well. You're around people that have been vaccinated. Perhaps they are transmitting it through the air and we're breathing it in. But I believe it's also in the food and water supply. I really do believe that. They have, they have been finding it proof of it, they have been finding it in the meats in the supermarket. They have been finding it in the beef and the pork both. I don't know about chicken. I don't know about fish, but I'm going to stay updated about that. And I encourage you to eat pumpkin seeds. Pumpkin seeds is one of the best sources of magnesium, which is very important for muscles and the mind and the heart and everything in the body. Magnesium is very important for really everything in your body. And pumpkin seeds is a great source of magnesium without having to take vitamins. And also pumpkin seeds are really good at killing out parasites and worms, such as the malaria parasites and other parasites that you get by eating fruits and vegetables and meats, and the parasites that are in some of the water, especially well water. Uh, and then uh, walnuts is also very good for to kill out parasites. Uh, apple cider vinegar, lemon juice, these things are good for helping to kill the parasites. Uh, so we need to do a detox that kills parasites and worms, but also that eliminate metals iron, aluminum, mercury, and so forth from our body. So this is a multi-step approach. It's not going to be just one or two things. You need the vitamin C. You need the omega-3s. You need to drink sufficient water, but filter your water. Eat pumpkin seeds and other things that kill parasites, uh, lemon juice, apple cider vinegar, walnuts, pumpkin seeds, so forth. Uh, Flowers and herbs like rose hips, peppers, citrus fruits, sardines, nuts, fish oil, all these things. The more that you do, the more of these different things, the more your body is going to naturally detox. You can detox without fasting. But if you do an occasional fast, then that intensifies the detoxification effect. And there's different types of fasts you can do. You can do a fast where the only thing you're eating is only water and pumpkin seeds and that's it. And water and lemon juice and apple cider vinegar and rose hips and that's it. You could do that. You can do a limited fast where you have a limited diet that are only the items that are going to help detox you. 
and also strawberries and blueberries, they help, and grapefruit, they specifically, those particular berries, although any berries can have some effect upon, upon the body, but specifically more so, the blueberries, the strawberries, and the grapefruit, those specifically help move the metals out of your body. Also, yogurt and fermented foods, sauerkraut, and uh, uh, kefir and other things like that that are fermented or have uh, any type of natural bacteria, uh, nutritional yeast, brewer's yeast, all of these different things that have natural gut bacteria to improve the health of your intestines, those things actually bind to the metals and help move the metals out of your body. Also, vitamin Bs that you get from nutritional yeast, that helps move metals out of your body as well. So on the nutritional yeast, not only are you getting the vitamin B if you order the bags, if you order the bags because they add the vitamin B to the yeast. So then you're getting the B and the yeast, both. Both of them will bind to the metals and move the metals out of your body. So there's a multi-step approach. The more of these that you do, the better. And the mind is connected to the body. And the soul and the spirit is connected to the body. So we need to detox spiritually and physically. The war against us is on every level. We have to fight back on every level. And we have to guard ourselves on every level watching what we eat, and continually detoxing. Another good thing to detox with is Dionysus Earth or activated charcoal. Those are really good detoxes. They move everything out of your body. Uh, but when you do activated charcoal or Dionysus Earth, be warned and be aware that both of those items, what they do is move everything out of your body, even the vitamins. They move everything out of your body, everything. Medicines, vitamins, everything, nutrients. And so <clears throat> it would be pointless to do any other nutrient or any other vitamin in combination with the activated charcoal or Dionysus earth because those things erase and move out of your body everything else. So when you do those items, don't do anything else, just those alone, just only the Dionysus Earth alone, nothing else uh, as a detoxification process. When I say nothing else, I don't mean that you have to fast, but you can fast, but you don't have to. The Dionysus Earth or the activated charcoal, whichever one you use, is going to move everything out of your body, even if you're not fasting, it's going to move all the vitamins, all the nutrients, all the minerals, all the chemicals, all the metals, all the viruses, all the parasites, everything you can name will be moved out of your body with those items, activated charcoal or Dionysus earth. So you should not be using that on a regular basis because you need your vitamins. You need your vitamins. So you don't want it to be do Dionysus earth every day. 
or activated charcoal every day because if you are, then you're moving the vitamins out of your body. So really, you should only do that like once a week, once a month, twice a month, whatever, whatever you want to do that. But some things you can do more often, some things you can do on an everyday basis would be everything else I've listed, uh, as well as um, horsetail, which is a type of herb, dandelions, which is what we use. We use, every time we make coffee or tea, we put dandelions in it. At the same time as the coffee or the tea, we always put dandelion in it. That's what we use more than anything else. You can also use burdock, milk trissel, uh, peppermint mouthwash, garlic, onions, all these different things. There are a lot of things that you can use to help detox your body. But the more you use, the more effective it will be at removing these foreign objects from your body that are being uh, purposely put in your food supply. What do you want to share? That is um, your turmeric or curry sauce would be really good. Okay, turmeric or curry is definitely good for the body on many, many different levels. Okay, I'm going to let you go. I'll see you Saturday. I hope you have a very good night to be observed tonight. Very good night to be observed. I hope that you enjoy yourself. And uh, read all of Exodus 12. Read all of Exodus 13. That's your homework. Exodus 12 and Exodus 13. Read all that. If you want to read more, go for it. Amen? Praise God. Use the local farms. Get to know your farmers. Make friends with your farmers and the hunters. Make friends with them. Amen? They are going to be a very valuable source to us. Amen? Thank you for listening. I hope that you have been blessed today, edified, and educated on multiple levels. All of this in Jesus' name, amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.